and today, as the series closes, we come to know that John is saying that Jesus, he's also the king. And so what I want us to think about, what I want us to reflect on, and the question I want you to marinate on this morning is this one. What kind of king is he? Is he a king who meets our expectations? Or is he a king that if he were to see us, that he'd just walk by and not take our gospel tracts? Is he a king who will disappoint us? What kind of king is he? And the text tells us that Barbara read this morning that first, Jesus is the king who invites us. That Jesus is the king who welcomes us. Here we see John the Baptist reiterating what he said in verse 29, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. But this time, two of his disciples heard it, saw Jesus, and followed him. And what I need you to understand is that this would not have been easy for John the Baptist. Right? I mean, it's like one of our Twitter followers or Instagram followers or Facebook friends going and, and following someone else because they're better than us. Right? Or if you don't have any of those social media outlets, it's like someone else who you're mentoring and you're pouring your life into them, but then realize that you can't, you're not the best suited person. And you have to give them to someone else who can better help them. Or it's like if you were the one who made this famous dish or were really good at this sport or really good at this instrument and you were teaching people, but then you soon come to realize that someone else moved in in the neighborhood and they were better than you. And you had to refer them to them. Or kids, it's like one of your friends from school who just has the better house than you or has a pool in their house. And so your friends leave you to go and be with them. We wouldn't like that, if we're honest. And we wouldn't be okay with that. And so it took John great humility to understand that he wasn't the one who was ultimately to be followed, but that it was Jesus. He was always the plan, and he was always the goal. And up until this point, we, we haven't heard Jesus say it any words yet for 38 verses, until now. And in verse 38, Jesus says this. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Jesus asks them a personal question. And it's a simple question, but conveys so much meaning. And the question is not only for you and for the disciples who are encountering him, but the question is for you and I. What do you want? What did you come here with wanting? What did you want this past year and didn't get? Are you wanting a different life? 
Are you wanting a different job? Are you wanting answers to your questions? Are you wanting rest from your guilt? Are you wanting your marriage to be better? For your school to be different? For your pain to go away? I mean, what do you, what do you want? And the two disciples, they didn't answer Jesus' question. But instead, they responded with another question. And if you're with me, your Bibles are open. In verse 38, it says that they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And you see, this was a bold question. It's kind of like when we see someone that we admire or that we just want to get to know, but then we, like, get nervous, right, or scared because you're like, well, what if they reject me, or what if they don't have time for me? And so sometimes we end up not doing it, right? And this is kind of what's going on here. I mean, these two disciples are asking the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, where are you staying? It's kind of a big deal. And Jesus responds to them, in verse 39, and says, come, and you'll see. Jesus doesn't give these two disciples an apologetic of why they should believe in him. He doesn't just tell them what they need to do in order to follow him. He extends and invites them into his own home. Jesus extends hospitality to these disciples. And what you have to understand is that in the Greco-Roman world, hospitality was a major practice that was done by everyone. It was a big deal. And hospitality wasn't just that you come over my house and we eat a meal. I mean, that's how we think of hospitality, but it actually conveys way more than that. <clears throat> Jesus is telling them that they are invited and welcomed into his home because hospitality is about creating a space for all people with all backgrounds, with all ethnicities, with, with any gender, with any socioeconomic status to come and find a place of true belonging and to truly find yourself. And Jesus is intentional about belonging and is intentional about relationship. And so Jesus tells them, come and see and spend the day with me. Come and break bread with me. Come and hang out with me. And that's exactly what they did. And I can imagine that they probably asked him questions that were like hard, you know. I can imagine that Jesus asked them questions, wanting to get to know them. I imagine that they laughed together. Maybe they even cried together. I don't know. But they were spent their time with Jesus and Jesus willingly spent his time with them. He created a space for them to get to know who this king is because this king is a king who invites you in. He welcomes you home. He's not a king who dictates what you have to do. He cares more about your invitation to coming to see him. There was no time constraint. There was no forced conversation. They were able to just be. And this past week, I was um, in Chicago, 
And I got together with my friends, John and Carrie, and there they are. <clears throat> and um, John and I, we went to Moody together and we studied preaching together. So I've known him for a while now. And Carrie, um, her and I were roommates for a time after college before she got married. And they invited me into their home. And, and we ate and we talked and we chilled and we hung out and we laughed and we got emotional and we prayed for one another. No time constraint, no forced conversation, just a place where I can be and that we all can just belong. And it's because of John and Carrie's extension of hospitality throughout the years that I have come to really experience with them true and joyful friendship. And because of that, I have come to know God in deeper and more intimate ways. Ways in which without them, I probably wouldn't have experienced. And one of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, he talks about hospitality this way. The paradox of hospitality is that when it, it wants to create emptiness, not a fearful emptiness, but a friendly emptiness where strangers can enter and discover themselves as created free. Not a subtle invitation to adopt the lifestyle of the host, but the gift of a chance for the guest to find his own. And Jesus did exactly that with those two disciples. And he does the same for you and I by inviting us to come and see, by welcoming us into his home. This isn't a king who just stands at a distance and who walks the streets and everybody has to just stand back. But it's a king who comes close, who sees the people that no one else sees and invites them into their home. Friends, he breaks bread with us. He spends the day with us. Why? Because you and I are always worthy of his time. And after this wonderful encounter, Andrew, who was one of the disciples, I mean, he just sprinted out. And the first thing he did, the text tells us that he went to go and find his brother Simon. Because, see, when we come and see, when we experience the magnificence and just the awesomeness of our encounter and our relationship with Jesus, we truly just can't hold it in. Right? It's like if we go to someone's house and it was just a fun and awesome experience, it's usually hard to keep that in and not tell anyone about it. And that's the first thing that Andrew does. He goes and gets his brother Simon and says, I have found the one the Old Testament scriptures pointed to. I have found the Messiah. I ate with him. He, he welcomed me into his home. I spent time with him, Simon. Come. Because, friends, our coming to see is not only meant for ourselves, but it's also meant for the transformation of others. And so, Andrew brings Simon to Jesus because sometimes we need people 
to bring us to Jesus. Sometimes we can't get to him on our own, and we need someone else to help us. And so Simon's there with Jesus, and this is what Jesus does in verse 42. Jesus looks at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Peter. By Peter's coming to Jesus, he is given a new name, a new identity, a new table, a new place of belonging, because that's exactly what hospitality does. It gets people who were once aliens, who were once strangers, who didn't have a place to go, and it brings them and gives them dignity, it gives them value, it gives them a new name, a new identity. That's what hospitality is, and that's what we are to do as followers of this king. If you consider yourself a follower, we are to extend our welcome to others. So have you hoarded the good news? Who can you welcome into this new year? Because Jesus is a king who invites us to come and see, welcomes us to his home. And if that doesn't meet your expectations, secondly, Jesus is the king who sees. And after, after this encounter with Peter, Jesus leaves to Galilee, and, and he finds Philip and tells Philip to come, to, tells him to follow me. And what's interesting is that rabbis didn't choose their followers. So Jesus is actually going against the norm of his society here because the people decided who they wanted to study under. They got to decide who their rabbi was, kind of like we get to decide what church we want to be a part of or what college we want to go to or who we want to study under. But you see, the significance here is that Jesus goes and finds them. He goes and finds Philip. And in verses 44 and 45, we read that Philip and Andrew and Peter are from the town of Bethsaida. And Bethsaida means the place of fishery. So these men were fishermen. And the point is that Jesus doesn't go to the elite of society. He didn't go to the most known person. He didn't go to the powers and the authorities of their age. He went to the people on the ground. He went to the fishermen. And he called them to come and follow him. And after Philip, I mean, after Philip was called and spent the day with Jesus, I mean, he couldn't contain it either. And so he had to go find Nathaniel. And, you know, Philip goes to Nathaniel and tells Nathaniel, I have found the one that Moses talked about in the scriptures, Jesus of Nazareth. I have spent the day with him. Because again, friends, our coming to see is not just for ourselves. Our coming to see is not our get-out-of-hell-free card because your relationship won't last if that's the only reason why you come to Jesus. Our coming to see is for the transformation of others and to bring them along. And so Philip goes and says, I found him. And then Nathaniel answers 
in verse 46 and says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. They're like, y'all, what is this problem, right? Like, what, <laughs> what is going on, Nathaniel? Like, why do you have some beef over here? And here's the thing, is that Nazareth was a town in Galilee. And Nathaniel is from Cana, which is also in Galilee. And, you know, Nazareth was not important, right? The Old Testament doesn't even mention it. And it was only comprised of 2,000 people. And there was some beef, some strife between Cana and Nazareth. And so no one liked people from Nazareth, and no one liked people from Cana. And so Jesus saying that he is from Nazareth, the Messiah. Like, to Nathaniel, that's like, that's no. No, that can never happen. Are you kidding me? But have you ever felt the truth of that statement? Has anyone ever told you that? Nothing good can come out of your family. Nothing good can come out of your story. Nothing good can come out of your mistakes. Nothing good can come out of being from that part of the world or from that part of the city. Nothing good can come out of Johnson County. Nothing good can come out of fill in the blank. But Philip responds to Nathaniel's question with the same reply that Jesus responded to those two disciples. And he tells Nathaniel, man, come and see. He didn't argue with Nathaniel. He didn't defend himself. He just extended hospitality and said, man, just come with me. And as they're approaching, it says here in verse 47 that Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching. And this is important because throughout the chapter, John has been saying that we've seen, that we've saw, that we've done that. But now Jesus saw. Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, and he tells him he truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And what Jesus is saying is that that man, Nathanael, he really is, like, honest with who he is. I mean, you, he's who he is. He's skeptical, right? He had questions. He didn't believe anything good can come out of Nazareth. He really is true to himself. And this boggles Nathanael's mind, and he asks in verse 48, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Even before Nathaniel even knew that the Messiah was there, Jesus saw him. Even before Philip went to go get him, Jesus is telling Nathaniel, I saw you. And under the fig tree means, fig trees back then were places of contemplation and meditation. And that's what they were there for. And so Jesus is saying, I, was, I saw you. I have seen you. I have been watching you. With all your questions, with all your skepticalness, with all your doubts, I still see you. Because Jesus will still come near to you no matter what. And this is what he says in verse 49. He says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. 
And not just the king of Israel, but his king. And this would have been a bold claim because kings in those days did not come near to their people. They were filled with money and prestige and power, and that's what they wanted. But this king, this king saw him, and that changed everything. And friends, he sees us. He sees you. In all your pain, he sees the mistreatment you've gone through. He sees the injustices that were done to you. He sees the fears that you have, the doubts, the skeptical questions. He sees the trauma that you've been through, the unbelief that you have, our innermost thoughts, the mistakes that we make. Yet he still comes toward us. He saw Nathaniel's doubts and hard conclusions, yet still went towards him. Because Jesus doesn't have a favorite group of people that he wants to go see. Jesus cares about all people, those who believe and those who don't believe. And he sees them all. He sees us under our fig trees. And he didn't stay on the throne, but he was born in a manger to come near to us. The Christmas story. And then Jesus tells Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. But you know what? You're going to see greater things than that. And he does. Because in the following chapter is when Jesus turns the water into wine in, in, in Cana, in Galilee. And Nathaniel's going to see the giving the sight to the blind and the healings, right? He's going to see the, the Savior in all of his glory when he dies and resurrects. And then he tells them at the last verse here, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the man of God. And I know that's kind of weird. You're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? But Jesus is referencing Genesis 28. And in Genesis 28, Jacob had a vision at Bethel, and he saw angels descending and ascending on a ladder. And that concluded for Jacob that Bethel was going to be a very important place because it was the house of God, the place where humanity and God meet. But now Jesus is saying, I am the new Bethel. I am the ultimate house of God. I am the ladder between heaven and earth. I am the place where heaven and earth meet, where heaven and humanity meet. It's the ultimate expression of hospitality. And so, friends, I don't know what you and I will experience this new year, I don't know what joys or challenges are coming our way. But what I do know is that there is a king who invites you into his home and who sees you. Who He knows what is going to come and he has decided to make his dwelling and his house among us. And this king promised his disciples that they will see greater things. And friends, we also have seen and will see greater things. So are you expectant?
do you believe in this king? Is your allegiance, is your life devoted to this king? In 1905, Sevilla Martin and her husband went to go and visit their friends, the Doolittles. And what you need to know about the Doolittles is that Mrs. Doolittle was bedridden for 20 years. And her husband was, on a, was in a wheelchair, and so he had to wheel himself to work every single day. Can you imagine that, doing that in 1905? I mean, that, was, that must have been hard. And every time the Martins went to go visit the Doolittles, there was just something unique about them. And the Martins knew that the Doolittles loved Jesus. Like, they knew all of that. Their situation wasn't the best, but they just still, they, they knew something was different. And so Sevilla got the courage one day to ask Mrs. Doolittle, what's your secret? Like, how are you so hopeful in the midst of such terrible circumstances? And Mrs. Doolittle responds and says, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And this moved Sevilla to write the following words. Jesus is my portion. A constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me, and I sing because I'm happy, and I sing because I'm free, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Friends, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Savior of the world, the Prince of peace, the Word, the light, the flesh, the Lamb, and the King, the one who holds all things together, has his eye on you and me. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our portion. A constant friend you are. Your eye is on the sparrow, and because that's true, we know that your eye is on us. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you for being a king who comes to us, who comes near to us, who invites us into life with you, no matter where we're at and what we think. And the king who ultimately sees us when everyone else would rather look past us. Lord, we love you and we just thank you. We thank you that we serve a king 
who knows what it's like down here and who comes to our rescue. Lord, help us to love you. Help us to give our lives to you and help us to go and share this good relationship, this good news with others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.